I met John the Baptist in the emergency room at San Francisco General Hospital in the summer of 2008. As a fresh-faced chaplain, I had successfully avoided going to the ER for the first two weeks of my internship because, frankly, it was a scary place. But in my third week, I realized it was time to bite the bullet. So, accompanied by my equally untried colleague, we trudged down the stairs to attempt some ministry, our knees shaking. From the moment we stepped in, the ER's bustle and shouting filled the air with tension. Bracing ourselves, we did a once-around together to familiarize ourselves with the layout, and then we split up to save souls. <laughs> For me, saving souls at that time consisted of slowly walking up and down the hospital corridors, counting the floor tiles as I went, and glancing up quickly every few minutes to make sure no one was waving down a chaplain from their sickbed. After an hour or so of this, I would return to our little office and report, I guess no one needs a chaplain today. <laughs> But on that particular morning in the ER, a man was sitting on a chair in the hallway, and I could feel his glare each time I passed on my rounds. Stealing a glance at him from a safe distance, I saw a grizzled 60-something, unshaven, with wild gray hair and unkempt beard, a torn jacket, disheveled clothes, and eyes so red and bloodshot he looked possessed. It's the devil, I whispered to myself. On my next go-round past him, I couldn't resist sneaking a closer look. And he caught me at it. <laughs> hey, he yelled at me, and I jumped. Startled for a second, I quickly remembered my chaplain training and said, Yes, may I help you? Come here, he growled, crooking his finger at me. Filled with dread, I slowly walked over to his chair, unable to unlock my gaze from his. Are you a chaplain? He sneered. Oh, why, yes, I replied, surprised that he recognized my spiritual aura. <laughs> no, you're not, he spit out. Stunned, I, I looked around at the nurses nearby, but no one was paying any attention to us. Feebly, I lifted the chaplain's ID hanging around my neck to show him. Yeah, I saw that every time you passed by and didn't talk to me, but you're no chaplain. Suddenly, I was indignant and forgot all my training and protocol. Yeah, well, who are you? I said smartly. I'm Brother Al, he shouted. I preach on street corners in the tenderloin every day, rain or shine. Where do you preach, chaplain? Well, at this point, I just wanted to get away, so I thought humoring him would help. Oh, you're a preacher, I asked brightly. That's right, he said. Then out of nowhere, he pointed at my chest and cried, Revelation, chapter 19, verse 19. What does it say? Oh, uh, Mark 13, verses 1 through 8, he said accusingly. I'm not sure. Daniel 7, 2 to 28. Hey, listen, I cried. I'm an Episcopalian. <laughs> we don't memorize the Bible. <clears throat> what you are is pathetic, he laughed. Here, I'll give you an easy one, Mr. Chaplain. Luke 15, 
verses 11 to 32. Desperate to regain my footing, I ventured, oh, that must be the good Samaritan. Uh, wrong. Prodigal son. Nice try, he snickered. Feeling humiliated, I looked around and saw a nurse smirking to herself at the desk nearby, and I suddenly realized I had to get out of there. Well, I gotta go, bye, <laughs> and I raced off. He shouted after me, you should join me sometime and do some real ministry, chaplain. And you know, I've never really liked John the Baptist. <laughs> Except for the time when he's in Elizabeth's womb and jumps for joy when Mary arrives pregnant with Jesus. I liked him then because he couldn't talk yet. <laughs> Other than that, his appearances in the Gospels consist of ranting and finger-pointing, a wild man in the wilderness wearing camel's hair and shouting, Repent, you sinners! Or as in last week's Gospel reading, reproaching the Pharisees and Sadducees, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? John is sent to proclaim the arrival of Jesus, but he is a scary messenger. I, for one, would have preferred, you know a calmer articulation of the Messiah's coming, maybe over a glass of sherry. <laughs> but that's not John the Baptist's style. Instead, he publicly denounces the religious leaders of his day for their shortcomings and their hypocrisy, which is kind of what Brother Al was doing to me, gleefully pointing out <clears throat> my inadequacy as a hospital chaplain. Both men were right, Al and John, in their own way, but their methods were off-putting. So I've always found it difficult to embrace so prickly a character as John the Baptist. Until I looked closely at today's Gospel reading. Excuse me. <coughs> John is in prison, having publicly accused King Herod of adultery for marrying his own brother's wife. As John languishes in jail, Doubts about his life's work begin to torment him. Was Jesus really the Messiah after all? If so, where were the conquering armies to vanquish the oppressive Roman Empire? And when would Jesus' winnowing fork clear the threshing floor of the wicked chaff, tossing it into unquenchable fire, as John had predicted in last week's Gospel text? The only news he was getting about Jesus spoke of his compassionate acts, of healings and good news to the poor. Where was the accompanying retribution? So for the first time, my, my heart kind of went out to that raving man of the wilderness. His prophetic voice had been silenced. His bluster cut short. Sitting in his cell, unable to understand why so little had changed in the world, John the Baptist began to worry. Did I pin my hopes on the wrong guy? Was the compulsion that drove me into the wilderness and drew forth my prophecies all in my head? Has my whole life been a waste? In his despair, John sends a few disciples to ask Jesus outright, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? It's a startling moment in Matthew's Gospel, a plea from a man on the verge of giving up. Back in the ER at SF General, I spied Brother Al about 10 minutes later. Walking behind my fellow chaplain, 
Turns out she had offered to pray with him in the chapel upstairs. And by the pleading look on her face when I saw them, I can tell she wanted me to go with them. (laughs) Before they got to where I was, while they were still halfway down the ER corridor, they passed the security guard's desk. At which point, Brother Al pointed at my colleague and shouted, She's a terrorist! She's a terrorist for Jesus Christ! As every guard in the room turned to stare at her while putting their hands to their holsters. She nervously held up her ID badge and showed everyone. A few minutes later, the three of us somehow made it up to the chapel, with two of us having no idea what would come next. Three steps into the chapel room, Brother Al dropped to his knees, clasped his hands together, and began moaning, I gotta pray! I need to pray so badly! By now I was sick of his erratic behavior, and I rolled my eyes internally and wondered how we would get out of this mess. But then I saw that Al had really started crying. Please pray with me, pray with me. He sobbed as he curled himself up into a ball and literally began heaving with tears. And in that moment, finally, the better angel of my nature took over. I knelt down next to him, took his hand, my colleague standing behind us, and said, We're here, Brother Al. What's wrong? I'm sorry, I'm sorry I've been such a jerk, but I don't know what to do, he cried. My rent money got stolen. Last night I passed out in my room and left the door open and somebody took my money, all my rent money I had hidden. And I don't know what to do if I don't pay it tomorrow. They'll kick me out of my SRO and I'll be on the street again. And he sobbed and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, over and over again. Like that lion that roars from the thorn in its paw, Brother Al had lashed out at us in his pain. Now we prayed with him and held his hand as he rocked himself through his despair. And he reminds me of John the Baptist. Both men shouted their warnings and accusations in a wilderness, certain of their call and their mission. But even they and their conviction were human. With a core of vulnerability, no amount of bluster could completely hide. John began to question his hope in Jesus, and we never know whether the reply he received was sufficient. Tell John that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. In other words, Jesus says, I am setting people free from their prisons of despair. This may not look like the salvation you were counting on, John, but it is what I came to do. My salvation is compassion, not retribution. I am often up here at this pulpit admitting to lingering doubts about the resurrection. Well, I have no such doubts about the incarnation. In part, that's because I see God's love incarnated here at St. Luke's in so many ways as a result of our faith in that first incarnation of Jesus into the world. More and more in these past two years since I've been here, we have witnessed The willfully blind and deaf recover their senses and find their joy again. We have helped the emotionally lame to walk and the spiritually dead to rise again 
through our faithful companionship and care. And I know that's been going on since long before I got here. We have felt our own leprous emotional sores heal right here. And we continue to embody the good news to those less fortunate than us through our acts of generosity and kindness. These are not small things. The rest of the world doesn't act like us as we rant and shout about unconditional love and acceptance in this wilderness. We are prophets to a culture that does not want to hear it. And we are God's love, newly incarnated, the body of Christ for the world today. John the Baptist was beheaded. I never saw Brother Al again. But their fire, their hope, and sometimes their despondency lives on in our community. So should we ever sink into despair, let us try to remember how Christ's compassion has saved us at one time or another in this place. And when we see others in misery, may our faith guide us to be that compassion for them. The proof of salvation, in part, rests in us when we let our hands and our hearts be used for the work of healing and proclaiming good news to those around us. Amen. Amen. Amen.